your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a Thursday. Sam Strong's retirement party starting now. They always schedule these things, these retirement parties, these going away parties at work, right when the show starts. I think they do it on purpose because they don't want me there. If you don't know who Sam Strong is, she's been on classic hits for 12 years with Keith Carr and for 20 years before that on Z93. There's a story on WIZM about her time there. 32 years on the air. She retired today. Her last show was this morning. So Keith will be all by himself. See how that goes. Coming up here in just a couple minutes, the president of the Wisconsin Education Association Council, Peggy Wirtz Olson, will be on. She's been a teacher for 23 years. Uh, She teaches English and art. She began her position as president of the WEAC. She began that back in September and we'll just have to talk about what teachers are enduring right now, right? I mean, we, we, have a, we have two schools in the area shut down that I know of. Any other schools shut down? Logan Middle School, for the second time in less than a week, had to close because of staff shortages that I imagined are due to COVID-19. Either directly or indirectly, right? Sometimes it's you're living with somebody that has COVID and then you have to isolate until you get a test and... Other times it's you have COVID and sometimes it's just your close contact. So just kind of all over the place there. Uh, Number three is calling in. Number three, go ahead. Good evening. How are you? I want to thank you for taking my call. Are you going to head to the the city council meeting tonight? No, they don't listen to me anyway. Okay. Anyway, I was wondering, are you going to have on your little Polish professor friend tomorrow night? Yeah, I don't. Think is he Polish? I feel like we talked about where he was, where his family. Well, the name was Ski on the end. I think he's Polish. Yeah, I can't remember. I feel like he's from a country that no longer exists. Actually, oh, I never heard of that one. Yeah, well, well, if you re- anyway, yeah, he's coming on tomorrow. And remind if you call and ask him, he'll tell you because it's it's kind of funny and interesting. I don't know if it's funny. It's not like his parents are from there. His parents are from St. Paul. So well, uh, last week I tried calling you two clowns. And I think you must have had it pre-recorded because you never answered my call. No, I think uh, um, it wasn't pre-recorded. We don't do that unless it's a holiday, really. Oh, I feel like kind of a nut here sitting there calling you and you never called me. I thought maybe you were mad at me. No, I don't know what it was. I might have been talking about something that I just I didn't want uh, to like, straight from. Maybe you didn't from. think my uh, Norwegian mind could could blend in with you two college guys. Well, I, th- I think whatever we were talking about, and then if I'm looking, because Dragoski sits to the left of me, I just in at some point I don't look at the light on the phone. That might have been it. I'm sorry, though. That's all right. Well, I'll get a bell down there that goes ding-dong for you. Well, how come you're not going to pay attention to this city council? you going to watch it? You can get your wife to pull it up on the computer. You can watch it that way. I get so mad when I see those things that those people talk about. It, it just gets my blood pressure up, and I'm trying to get my blood pressure down. Well, you know what else you could do? You go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. They have meatless chicken now over there. Well, let's not get into that. I'm an old chicken man. <laughs> I know. That's why I brought your chicken. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> right. That's what you call a bad hatch. Getting your blood boiling again. <laughs> Thanks for taking my call, friend. All right. See ya. Bye. Yeah, Tregoski will be on tomorrow. UW lacrosse political science professor. 
Um, all right, I want to I want to maximize my time with Peggy Wirtz Olson, the president of the Wisconsin Education Association Council. It's a mouthful. Uh, teacher, twenty three years, English and art. Uh, she has a she has some history too uh, with uh, just from where I'm from. She she taught in Iola, where my dad is from, and I think she taught in Stevens Point, where I went to school. So I thought that was cool. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line for now. If you want to talk to me, call me in 20 minutes. Uh, Peggy Wirtz Olson, the president of the Wisconsin Education Association Council, on the phone with me now. Peggy, how are you? Well, I'm well, and thank you. It's it's so good to be here tonight because I really want to pull the curtain back. In Wisconsin, our students are learning and our educators are on the job. In fact, the only reason that our schools are functioning right now is because our educators are working around the clock for their students. And, man, they're pivoting on a dime. But, honestly, it can't continue this way. The, so we have, uh, right over the river, uh, one of our schools in Minnesota shut down all week because of COVID-19 and staff shortages. We have a Logan Middle School here in town, had to shut down two days last week and is shut down today and yesterday um, due to staff shortages. We're seeing this, are, are we seeing this all over the state? Yeah, you really are. And that teacher shortage is affecting every Wisconsin school. And honestly, it's got a negative impact on our students and our school staff who are experiencing these increased workloads as a result. They're, like I said, pivoting on a dime from virtual to in-person, and, and it's been a lot of stress. I mean, you've had a lot of practice with this, Peggy. Teachers, they this is a you've been doing this a year. This is no big deal. This the the pivoting to uh, virtual to back in classes. Uh, that's not hard on students at all or teachers. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, right. I, I I love I love that point. And you know, I our educators. I am always just um, astounded by their ability to be versatile and to pivot. But yeah, at the end of the day, right, that back and forth, it's it's a level of stress that they're experiencing. We're experiencing this thing in two different ways. When we say teacher shortage, staff shortage, right now we're having a shortage because of the virus. But also, do we have a shortage because there's just not enough educators coming into the workforce in general? Yeah, we do. We, we absolutely do. So it, it's this double hit, right? We've got the absences by the pandemic that you reference the alarming number of teachers who are leaving the profession due to unrealistic workloads, low pay, lack of input in school decisions. You know, I I saw a stat the other day, teachers are down, the number of students enrolling in teacher prep programs is down 35% nationally. And in some Wisconsin programs, it's even steeper of a decline than that. Do, you know, I I don't know, does Wisconsin take a hit because of what is it, Act 10 from Governor Scott Walker's time here? Nationally, do people go, eh, Wisconsin, no, because of because of what Act 10 did to bargaining rights? Is is that a thing, or do people, do maybe new teachers not, not think about that when they're coming here? Well, if you track the rates of educator, of, of educator prep programs, right, over the last 10 years, they've been declining... In, in some states, so Wisconsin's really seen that steep decline. So it is a factor. And in the long-term solutions, right, there are short-term and there are long-term solutions, but one of them is restoring an educator's right to negotiate, bringing teachers back to the table. 
why why don't we want that well like why would anyone not want teachers ability to uh, you know, improve to unionize, right? To or to better unionize? Are they just? I don't. I don't understand. You know, I I don't either. Uh, quite honestly, I know that um, when I think about the similarities between teachers and and police and firefighters, right? I see the similarities in those professions, and really, all of them needing that predictable, adequate funding, and really an equal seat at the so they can be talking with their employers about workload and, you know, for teachers, student learning needs. Yeah, I, I think um, people are going to yell at me because I bring up Bernie every once in a while. Bernie Sanders said, hey, if we just made teacher minimum wage $75,000, would that help? <laughs> it certainly wouldn't hurt. I've got an average starting teacher salary at $38,678. That's 31st in the nation in Wisconsin. Yeah, but summer's off, Peggy. It's pretty nice here. <laughs> I, I love Wisconsin. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I, I know my educator colleagues will, will say to me, yes, we, we love uh, the cheese state, right? And, um, and we can certainly um, talk about the great aspects of being in Wisconsin. But it's so important that as Wisconsin's been a leader on education, you know, for decades, maintaining that. Um, by really addressing some of the issues that are going on in schools. We're speaking with Peggy Wirtz Olson. She's the president of the Wisconsin Education Association Council. You've been a teacher for 23 years in English and art. And I was saying before you came on, you have some history with me, not directly, but you went to Stevens Point. That's where I went to college. And uh, you taught in Iola where my dad grew up. And I, I, I don't know, Peggy, are you hitting the Iola car show in the summer? I just want to know out of curiosity. You know, I've taught in Iola and never been to the car show, but that that show brings in so many people. It um, it really turned that small community around um, as it went on. I can't believe it. I feel like you have to. To be a teacher in Iola, you should be required to go to the car show, but I can understand uh, some people. That's just not for, for some people. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'll have to go back um, and, and definitely experience it because it's, it's a sight to behold, but you know, Iola gets put on the map for some other great things as well, in, in, including their, their winter carnival. Um, yeah, that was a big deal. Now, just looking at your bio, too, it looks like, I don't, are you currently in the Milwaukee area? Well, so um, I'm actually in the Madison area. That's, okay. where the, um, that's, where, that's where the Wisconsin Education Association Council is, is um, located. You know, but um, I am a diehard, uh, obviously, pointer, and so... Um, Stevens Point, you know, was our home for some time. What I, what I was getting at is you, I feel like as a teacher, you've probably had some experience in rural schools and then also some experience in bigger city schools. And I guess, you know, there there seems to be this difference in, in thought on how we approach the pandemic in these two schools. I, I guess as the, the president of the WEAC, you know, like, can you talk about that, those differences, you know, whether it's the virus or just, you know, I think rural schools are having a hard time finding teachers even harder than, you know, city schools, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the, the struggles that get compounded in rural schools really have to do with, um, with districts around the rural school being able to pay additional, you know, dollars to recruit teachers. So talented teachers, you know, that, that might teach in a place like Iola, Scandinavia, you know, can, can easily get pulled into a district nearby that pays them a little bit more. And it, it leaves those rural and poorer districts 
with even worse shortages than we're seeing in some other places. All right. So Republicans, I think this was last week, they they offered some legislation that would give police officers a five thousand dollar bonus to come to the state and then like a two thousand dollar bonus if they stayed at a, at a police station or whatever for for a year. Um, this is legislation that I feel like you could just change police officer or deputy to teacher. Um, would would that help also in this in this legislation? No fees for hunting and fishing licenses. Man, if I want to get a teacher to go to the rural schools, I feel like teachers that want to go to rural schools probably hunt and fish. <laughs> well, you know, I know there's similarities um, between teachers and, and police officers, and all of us need predictable and adequate funding, right? We need that seat at the table. And, and the problems that face us, you know, are, are more similar than, than they're different. You know, I really want to say short-term solutions like bonuses are a piece of the equation, but we really want to see long-term solutions. That's the answer here. We have teachers who haven't seen a pay raise in years. We've got educators that are trying to pay bills and have families to provide for. You know, having that seat at the table, having better pay, addressing the workload, those are long-term solutions. So you're saying that because we do this in in lacrosse in the city here is every every year I think uh, the teachers not the teachers the police union the fire union I think the fire department took a two and a half percent raise I think they didn't take their full three percent and the police police union took a three percent raise this year are we're not doing that with teachers teachers aren't getting like a three percent yearly raise not consistently um, and I'm sure if I've got educators who are listening they that you know they're they're nodding their heads at me right now to say no that's not consistent across the board um, and, and I've got educators out there in various places who who've gone backwards and are are not seeing those kinds of increases um, in their take-home pay and, and then that matters to all of us yeah, I don't. What if we just paid teachers by the hour, and then we gave them overtime for over forty hours a week? Would that would that be a difference? You know, there's there's lots of different solutions we can talk about, but I, you know, I really want to focus on that long term piece, right? Bring us back, give us a seat at the table again. You know, then we can address the pay, we can address the workload, we can address the needs of our students directly, and ensure that you know that we're taking all of that into account. How does that happen? Like when you say seat at the table and bring us back, I, I don't know. How does that happen? Well, that happens really with um, with giving the educators um, in Wisconsin the right to negotiate again. And, um, you know, I know you referenced about 10 years ago in some legislation. I, I really want to say that that happens um, when we roll up our sleeves and we say, you know what a solution is? A solution is our educators, they're back with a full seat at the table they're bargaining with their employer and really talking about these critical issues. That's what we need. That's the solution. I mean, we can always we can always point to hey, we, the, if we paid teachers more, they would they would flock to the state better. But is there other things besides that? Like when you negotiate, what else, what other things would teachers be looking for? Well, you know, the only reason that our schools are functioning right now is because of our educators. And so when, when we have a full seat at the table, we can address things like professional time. We can, talk about, we can talk about start time in the day. We can talk about what's best for a student calendar, right? We can talk about the needs of our students really directly, meeting requirements. We can talk about, you know, testing and 
and what that means in the district. That's what bringing it, educators fully back to the table would mean. What kind of things uh, that we're doing now are just, you know, this isn't working, we need to change? Well, I, I think our culture of, you know, test and test and test is really not in the best interest of our students. I know that teachers invented tests, right, but the standardized model of, um, of intense stress and performance that comes out of those standardized tests is not great for our students. Teachers know that. Uh, we're speaking with Peggy Wirtz Olson. She's the president of the Wisconsin Education Association Council. We're like we're like rolling through a lot of this stuff. I don't even know if we're hitting anything, in, you know, really deeply. But um, I, I heard this the other day, and I, just tell me if I'm wrong, and, and maybe and maybe we we don't need to think about this. But uh, we we focus so much on uh, you know. Okay, so I bring John Havlicek. He's the teachers president, teachers union president here, essentially in Lacrosse, and he's a Spanish teacher, and I always pick on him for teaching high school Spanish. I'm like, John, we need to teach like middle school or grade school Spanish. But I heard the, I heard a teacher say this, we, we don't focus attention on the zero to five-year-olds where their brain is developing the most. Um, it, it, should we maybe change our focus a little bit? When you talk about focusing on testing and stuff, should we maybe, maybe uh, you know, invest a little bit in zero to five-year-olds education somehow? Absolutely. The learning of our, our early learners, right, those zero, those birth to five, that's such a critical time. And really investing in those students, um, those children, right, as they become new, new learners and they're excited about learning, that's, that's going to be a critical investment for the state. Yeah, because I feel at this point all we're doing with those kids is I got to go to work. I got to find somebody to watch that kid. Whoever it is, whoever's the, the most affordable and isn't going to lose that child, I feel like that's where we're at with society right now. What can I do with my five-year-old while I'm at work and not break the bank? Yeah, I, I, I know that um, you know 4K programs are a critical component, um, but bringing it down into 3K programs, right? Well, we're really giving those high-quality experiences with, with trained educators to those youngest learners, and we're doing it with play-based and experiential learning, not testing, not performance, right? Learning and play. What do you think now, if we get back to the virus and, and we're losing, you know, we're losing school days because we're, we're having staff and teacher shortages, um, this is happening differently in each school district. Some school districts aren't doing anything. Other school, I've seen two different schools in, this, in the U.S., where the kids are going on strike because the teachers, the faculty, whatever, the school board, I don't know what entity it is, but they're not trying to keep kids, teachers in the building safe. You know, so they're going on strike and they're going virtual. The kids are doing this. This is crazy. I but is there is there a solution there? Because I feel like some school boards are fighting that notion. Well, it's unfortunate, right, that, that somehow a pandemic became political. And, and we've been firm. So we actually come out really clear on our safe and healthy schools plan, right? We, we need those mitigation measures in place. We need, we need masks. You know, we need to ensure those vaccinations because ultimately we know we want our students learning and we want that learning to be in person, but we want to keep them safe. Yeah, it just seems like a, there's always a fight there, uh, depending on what school districts. Some are some are okay, some are fighting that, and um, it just it, like clearly, 
clearly something is happening because <laughs> when schools are shutting down, we can't have schools shutting down. Yeah, well, and, and, and our goal, right, is how do you put those right mitigation strategies in so that doesn't happen, right, that you can keep your students in the building, you can keep that active learning happening. Um, are, are teachers just, like, totally stressed out right now? Or, I mean, what's morale like? I guess you, you, you probably hear different from different school districts different news, right? I, I do, and I'm plugged in to teachers all across the state. I was in, in, in calls all week um, listening and, and hearing from, from our folks everywhere across Wisconsin. And really, yeah, I, the struggle is real. Um, our folks are exhausted. That doesn't mean that we're not on the job. That doesn't mean that we're not learning, um, you know, pushing every single day. But it does mean that there's a level of burnout and exhaustion that's real. And so, you know, if you know a teacher, if you can thank a teacher, a genuine thanks to a teacher, it matters. What if I just brought like an apple for them? Does that still work? (laughs) Hey, apples are great. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that, you know, they'll, they'll take cookies um, as well. But a genuine heartfelt thank you um, goes a long way. All right, last thing, and this is just kind of out of left field because I thought of it and since I have you on. Uh, year-round school versus, you know, the having school in the summer. We have a couple of schools that go year-round where they're, I think they're on like nine weeks off too. I could be wrong on the, the weeks there, but uh, have we figured out which way is better? You know, I've, I've heard from educators who've worked in, you know, all kinds of, of different setups. I think that those are definitely conversations to have. I know that our model, um, you know, feels like it, it, it deals with, you know, an agrarian time, right? And that's not where we are now. So, I, you know, I, I think that's a conversation for another day. But I, I think that as educators, we're open to the best plans for learning for students. That's why we're in this. All right, uh, I'll pin you for a couple months from now, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> All right, Peggy, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Take care. Bye. All right, that was Peggy Wirtz Olson. She is the Wisconsin Education Association Council President, uh, a teacher. Well, she's in Madison now, but she's been a teacher in English and art for 23 years, uh, including where back kind of where I grew up a little bit. My dad grew up, and then uh, where I went to college, she went to college. All right, we got to take a break. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. You heard Brad doing the news there, talking about Sam retiring, Sam Strong. Funny, too, I wrote a pretty, pretty long story on her career. She has some funny things to say, some funny things that I couldn't, well, Keith, maybe. Keith Carr said some stuff that I, couldn't really put in the story, um, but uh, I did have I did have a couple of clips that that were kind of interesting. So as uh, the the concept here too, when you're on the air for 32 years, it's just kind of interesting how you move with the music because they were on Z93 for 20 years, and then the last 12 on Classic Hits, and they just kind of brought the music with them. Uh, but but uh, in terms of just uh, living the music, we talk, I've talked about this in the past. Just the uh, the Lumineers. Uh, the Ho Hey, the, the the group that sings that Ho Hey song, which you might hear in a minute. Um, when I was in Madison for a while, they uh, they were playing at some bar, where, you know, where you, only fifty people could get into the bar, but they were having tickets for this group called the Lumineers, and I, like went to get tickets right before. And of course, Madison's kind of ahead of the game on on some of these uh, up and coming bands, and 
tickets were sold out. And then a year later, they're like the biggest band in the world. Um, Sam told me a story a little bit about, about kind of about that, about a different group that, yeah, they're not quite the, not my favorite, the Lumineers, but um, this is what she had to say there. Oh, it's opening. Didn't open the program I wanted. All right, here we go. Well, it it is a bit bit strange because I can so vividly remember some of it, like when Def Leppard was on the top eight at eight back in the day for months and months, or when Tiffany did a show at the Lacrosse Center and the new kids on the block opened up for her and the phones just got flooded with because I was working nights with the teenagers asking for new kids on the block, which I hadn't heard because I didn't go to the concert because I was working. (laughs) This was before any of their hits hit the radio because they were opening for Tiffany. And now if I ever play a new kids on the block song, I laugh about that and remember the, uh, just the rabidity of the, of the young fans who wanted to hear it, wanted to hear it, wanted to hear it. So that's, that makes me laugh. All right, that was Sam talking about talking about the new kids on the block. So it's kind of the same concept, except new kids on the block. Where a lot of I think a lot of people make ah new kids. Ugh. Um, but yeah, it's pretty interesting that all of a sudden this group opens for a different, more popular group, and then they're the most popular. Uh, pretty interesting. Carol's waiting on hold here, calling in. Carol, you know you don't want to talk about new kids on the block. Uh, no, that's be, that's after my time. I, I I'd probably talk about Elvis and Merle Haggard and some really good singers. Yeah, on classic you know. hits, right? They're probably on classic hits too. But, yeah, they're, oh, they're classics. That's for sure. Um, El, or, uh, why doesn't the state of Wisconsin give the money back to the taxpayers? What what money? I don't. You you kind of the, coming the out of the money that they want to spend for the city of La Crosse. Okay, twenty-two million or whatever it is. Okay, I think it would end up being like three dollars. Oh, I think it'd be a little more than that. Well, how many people live in Wisconsin? I mean, they want to help the homeless. <laughs> okay, you know, so why not? Why not help the people that make this city what it is? Okay, but there's there's five point eight million here in in Wisconsin. No, no, the city. So, the city. Right. Oh yeah, I hear you. Okay. Twenty-two million. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have to do that math. We'll just give everybody back. As <laughs> a guy's yelling in the background, why, why does he just take the phone? Um, All right. So what is the what is lacrosse? Fifty thousand, something like that. Well, twenty-two million into fifty thousand. I can't do that while I'm trying to talk. I can't. Uh, I can't do the math. So it's just too hard. Somebody, somebody, do it. Fifty thousand and twenty-two million. What's what's that? What's that? We, come out to you. Uh, the city council meets in 17 minutes. So if you live in the city and you want to know what the city should do with the ARPA funding, the city council represents the people. You either got to tell your city council rep or go to these meetings. I think the council meeting, what's interesting here is what you learn is the council meetings kind of all said and done. They're already gone through the committee to get this stuff on the council agenda. And the committee week was, you know, there's committees all the time, but the big committees meet the week before the city council meeting. So the committees met last Tuesday and Thursday to discuss this. And we've been discussing the ARPA funding forever. So I get it. You want to come on 
lacrosse talk PM tell everybody to give the money back to the taxpayers at 22 million. Also the county's given 22 million to you. So you could do the, whatever the county population is divided by 22 million. Um, and then you could get both those checks right back from the government. Um, or we could pool all our money into, you know, some causes that we think might help our city, bring our city up, uh, you know, homeless, bring, bringing uh, those that are unsheltered out of that situation, uh, helping people with childcare. I think that was another one the county was looking at, maybe the city too. Uh, but these are all things that are being discussed, uh, ongoing discussions. And it's not like they're they're set in stone tonight. I don't, they're not deciding what to do with the money tonight. So, but they are they are talking about it. I believe it's. I believe that might be a conversation. It might not be a conversation tonight. Honestly, I have to look the rehash. Uh, Brad's got. I, I believe Brad said that that was part of the discussion with the city council meeting tonight. But it could be. It could just be an ongoing discussion throughout the weeks. So, I mean, they got to spend. Yeah, it is. It's part of the meeting today. It, they, they have to spend it by 2026, so I feel like we're not going to do this tonight. Probably not going to spend all $22 million tonight. But if you just want the money back, then you probably need to send an email to your city council rep and just say, give me my money back. Take that $22 million and give it back to the taxpayers. Also, that's not how it works. The, uh, the feds distribute that $22 million to each community to use in certain regards in terms of economic relief from the pandemic. So if you're just going to do economic relief straight to the people, I don't know if that qualifies. I'm not quite sure if that qualifies. It's something to ask, something to bring up at the meeting, something to bring up at the committee, something to email your city council rep. I had a friend, uh, you know, we did Cat Talk PM a couple of times, <laughs> just a couple of times over the last two weeks. That's also on the agenda tonight. And uh, they were they were saying, hey, why don't you go to this meeting? And, and I'm like, oh, I don't live in the cross, and I've brought it up, but like, you should tell your city council rep. Who's your city council rep? And they didn't know. So I was like, okay, well, you can't, I don't, I don't know. Can you complain about your city government not doing what you want your city government to do if you don't know who your city council rep is and you don't get involved in city government? Can you do that? Are you just, or should you just sit at the bar and scream across the room? Uh, into the phone onto a talk show that happens an hour before the city council meeting. Either way, I mean, I appreciate the call. I mean, it's an interesting, interesting conversation, an interesting uh, way to go about economic pandemic relief. Just give me back that money. I don't know if that's, you know, is, is that the best way to do this? I don't know. Do you want the uh, person that's making $10 million a year to also get back the $13 in in economic relief, do you think it matters to them? <laughs> um, all right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914, the talk and text line. Thanks again to Peggy Wirtz Olson, the president of the Wisconsin Education Association Council, for joining us. I don't know if we got to the bottom of anything. I think we can all understand that teachers are kind of going through some difficult situation right now with shortages and just there's two different ways to look at it too because we have teacher shortages because of the virus and just in general i think school districts are having a hard time finding teachers to hire full-time but what do we do about it i mean the state legislature just proposed last week uh five thousand dollar sign-on bonuses for police officers 
sign-on bonuses are kind of like a trick to get you to take a job at less pay than you need. So there is a little bit of deceit there because instead of a sign-on bonus of $5,000 or whatever, you know, if you're seeing a hiring bonus for some, some job, you should just ask that to be worked into your salary. So take that 5000 and work it into my salary. And therefore, uh, it's just a permanent raise. So negotiate that out instead of the bonus. So to, we're trying to trick police officers into coming here with a bonus. But in the long run, police officers also probably not paid enough to do what they do. And teachers definitely not paid enough to do what they do. Uh, it, 38000 I think she said, was the, uh, the average wage of a teacher in Wisconsin, which seems pretty pretty low for um how important their job is right like how i mean what is the most important job out there besides educating our youth because someday they're going to be taking care of us they're going to be taking care of this country of this earth so uh maybe we should invest a little bit more into those people that are educating our kids and instead of you know making it harder for teachers to negotiate, to uh, inc- improve their work conditions. And right now, it's just all messed up, I think. And just the, the idea that we're, we're closing down schools and then, hey, we're going to go remote for the next two days. So, so kids, you get on, do your homework at home. Logan Middle School's going remote, but they're not, they're not doing Zoom. So a lot of times they'll do Zoom class, right? But they're not doing that for these two days and then if they have a question, they just email, call the teacher. Well, what time do you think the teacher is getting these emails and phone calls and maybe text messages? I don't know how exactly they're contacting their teacher. In college, we had office hours, right? Like if the professor wanted to talk to you, there was an hour a day at some point during the week, maybe a, maybe two days a week where there was like a three-hour window of office hours that you could get a hold of your professor and that was it. Is that how teachers should do it? Is that how teachers are doing it? Or are they catering to whatever students they have because they care about their students and any hour of the day, whether it's 7 a.m. or maybe 10 p.m. My kid's working on homework right now. It's 9.30, but they have to have this thing done by tomorrow, and they're not quite getting it, and I also don't understand it. (laughs) So uh, let's just shoot the teacher an email and say, what's up? (laughs) And it's 10 p.m., and the teacher's like, well... Little Timmy, I, I really appreciate the email, Timmy, and we'll we'll help you get through that. But could you maybe do your homework at one in the afternoon instead? No. The sun's out. I want to play. It's recess. That's recess one in the afternoon. Uh yeah, so I don't know. I mean, the idea that uh we're gonna give bonuses to recruit police officers, but not do that for teachers just seems like they're both state workers, so why wouldn't we propose both? like that's a winning proposition can't go wrong there but also bonus is not really the thing um there was also this requirement that uh in this in this legislation where teachers uh have to teach how to be polite and respectful to police officers so there's that we hear this with with uh parents of black kids a lot of the time on how to you know just be calm and cool and collected. If you get pulled over, do the, you know, like make sure you're doing everything right. Uh, maybe we got to teach that in school. I don't know. Should we just be teaching kids in general how to be polite to all adults?
but maybe there's a different avenue there when it comes to police officers. Uh, there's two ways you could look at that. <laughs> how, how are we teaching to be respectful to police officers? Are we teaching that so that the police officers aren't triggered into using the trigger? Or are we teaching it just in general because maybe we should be doing that for all adults? Why, why just police officers? What if teachers proposed a uh, class's requirement that they teach how to be respectful to teachers? And that was a requirement that they demanded the state legislature pass a law that teachers, that students be required to take a class that teaches kids how to be respectful to teachers and principals and superintendents. I don't know. That one seems a little, that one seems a little dicey. I would be like, really? You, do you really need to do that? So that's kind of how I feel about the police officer thing, too. I feel like teachers are just, in general, going to teach you how to be good kids, be polite students, be respectful. It kind of goes with the the whole thing. Also, parents, that's on the parents a little bit, too, right? That's your job? Is that your job as parents? Teach kids how to be respectful, polite, show manners? Who's, whose job is that? I guess I, I, I would assume that starts with the parents, and teachers can kind of reinforce that idea when kids are acting out in school hey that's not appropriate don't do that what do you know teacher oh that you're now you're being disrespectful to me unbelievable all right uw lacrosse political science professor dr anthony chergoski is going to be in here tomorrow maybe we'll talk about this legislation i i feel like we i think i feel like we did ron johnson talk i i feel like we should just do some nonsense talk to um we'll see We'll see, but I appreciate everyone for listening. Appreciate that Carol for calling and then having the guy in the background just yell at the phone. That was cool. It was pretty funny. All right, we'll do it again tomorrow.